Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I am David Chen, and with me are Devendra Hardwar and Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, what we're going to do here on today's podcast, we got so much in store for you all today. Uh, we're going to start with some what we've been watching and then move on into a discussion of a bunch of news that happened. Now, typically, we don't talk about film news anymore. We leave that to the pros at Slash Film Daily, which you can find at daily.slashfilm.com. But so much news dropped at Comic-Con this week. It was Comic-Con week. We got to talk about we it. We got to talk about it. We can't not talk about it. Uh, and so I'm actually, I'm, I'm giddy. I'm giddy, Jeff, um, because there's like so much that I want to cover with you, you folks. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, that's what we got in store for you. And then we have an in-depth review of Jon Favreau's The Lion King coming up at the end of the episode as well. So that is what is in store on the Slash Filmcast this week. Divinger Hardware, you are uh, broadcasting from in the middle of a tornado of some kind, right? Like, what's going on in New York right now? I mean, every, everything is going on. Uh, you folks on the West Coast, uh, I guess, did not deal with the heat wave over the past week, and that now there are, like, raging thunderstorms happening uh, right after that. So mm -hmm. the Earth just kind of hates us right now. Uh, Jeff, I know you've also had several earthquakes. It's really yeah. just Dave who's who's been spared from all this. Uh, so yeah, I'm hot spotting and hopefully we'll be okay. Yeah. So, so Devendra is not using his internet as usual. He is crouched in the corner with only a hotspot that he is uh, connecting to his computer via Wi-Fi and then and then uh, skyping into us. So if there's any audio glitches with Devendra today, that is what is going on there. But Devendra, we appreciate you sticking with us through the storm nonetheless. Yeah, um, assuming I still have power. We'll see how long this goes. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> you know, D Devendra is enduring a storm and uh, physically uncomfortable crouched in a corner, and I uh, watched some trailers. So, you know, we've all made sacrifices this week. Yeah. It's true. It's true. Jeff broke his no-trailer policy for the purposes of talking about all the crazy stuff we saw this week. So, uh, yep, so that's the episode for this week. You can find more episodes of this podcast at Slash Filmcast. Uh, dot com. You can also email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. But before we get to any of that stuff I said, I do have a big announcement to make, which is that I am actually launching a new podcast uh, this week. Uh, it's called Culturally Relevant, which mm. is obviously a reference mm. to... Yeah. Seems uh, like a fishy, fishy mm. name. It's a here. reference to uh, that movie we all know and love, uh, The Sixth Sense, um, because everyone knows how culturally relevant that movie is. No, obviously, it's a it's a very knowing nod to all of our conversations about Avatar here on the Slash Filmcast. Uh, it's amazing that David has started an Avatar <laughs> one-minute rewatch podcast. Indeed, indeed. Called Culturally, culturally Relevant that uh, really will prove once and for all that it is a great great piece of cinema you know one day jeff that might be in my future maybe when i've given up i'll uh, convert this into that uh but uh culturally relevant which you can find at culturally relevant show.com you can also just search for it wherever your podcasts are downloaded uh, it's basically if i if i had to sum it up in a, a sentence it'd be like my version of fresh air which is like conversations and interviews with interesting people mostly authors and filmmakers as well as reviews of TV and film. 
Um, and so I think if you are a fan of the Slash Filmcast, you will definitely find something on there to enjoy. This week, uh, I had a chance to chat with Lulu Wong, whose new film, The Farewell, is out in theaters right now and uh, doing really well in limited release. Next week, uh, Dan Trachtenberg is on the show talking about his new Warframe trailer, the cinematic trailer he made uh, about the video game Warframe. And of course, the very first episode stars Jeff Kanata and Peter Serretta arguing about whether or not movie trailers are worth watching. Um, so check the show out if any of that sounds interesting to you, but uh, I'm really excited about the first season of episodes. I've already recorded many of them, and I think uh, anyone who enjoys any of my stuff will find something there to enjoy. So the show is Culturally Relevant. You can find it at culturallyrelevantshow.com or uh, just search on any podcast app for Culturally Relevant. And speaking of things that are culturally relevant, Avengers Endgame. Uh, now this week, news broke that uh, Avengers Endgame finally surpassed Avatar to be the number one grossing film of all time. Uh, now, Jeff Kanata, I know for you, this news is particularly bittersweet, is it not? <laughs> bittersweet? No. Because you're, you're such this a, a huge fan of both titles, right? It is a win-win. It's truly uh, truly a great beating a great. That's, what I, that's how I look at it. I will say that I'm very fascinated by how passionate uh, people have felt about whether or not Avengers Endgame would beat Avatar. I actually had a colleague say to me, I'm going to go see Avengers Endgame again just so it can beat Avatar. I'm like, well, uh, why, why do you care? I mean, th those movies are both owned by Disney now. And she said, I just fucking hate that movie, Avatar. And I was like, oh, oh wow. You know, like really strong opinions about whether or not Avengers Endgame will beat Avatar. Uh, Devendra, how do you feel about it now that uh, the deed is finally done? I mean, I feel like uh, this is justice, finally. <laughs> like, finally... <laughs> A movie people actually care about uh, is is the most popular movie of all time. Are like, you I saying think, that yeah. that uh, that the Avengers finally took down their blue skinned nemesis? Mm. They did. They did. I mean, Thanos was purple skinned. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with them and their like uh, you know skin coloring racism over here. But uh, yeah, the Avengers <laughs> took down the blue folks, and I'm happy for it. So I have to say that. Uh, I, I think the kind of contest between these two films is a little bit bizarre because, as I mentioned, they're both owned by the same company. Uh, yeah. but and also Disney Disney really pushed extra hard, right? Yeah. To, to kind of make that happen by re-releasing it with, what, two minutes of extra footage or something? Yeah, yeah. So here are my feelings about it. I, I am actually a little bit bummed that uh, Avengers Endgame has beat Avatar because, like, Avatar is a movie that is not based on any existing property other than Dances with Wolves. And so <laughs> it's it, it's like probably the last time in possibly ever that that title will be held by an original film. Even if James Cameron comes back and uh, unseats Avengers Endgame with Avatar 2, that's still based on a, another film, right? Like it's, it's probably the last time we're ever going to see an original film as number one. Uh, and that is uh, a little bit sad to me. But, well, never um, say never. You know, the yeah. long stretch of history after we're all dead and buried, who knows what'll what'll happen? Yeah, I'm counting on Christopher Nolan's new film Tenet to take the top spot. We'll see. There you go. Um, see some of my favorite uh, tweets about this. Matt McDaniel tweeted, "Congratulations to the green Zoe Saldana movie for taking the top box office spot from the blue Zoe Saldana movie." That's uh, funny. I thought that was pretty great. And also, io9 had a legendary uh, headline, Film from Studio Acquired by Walt Disney Finally Beats Film from Studio Acquired by Walt Disney for Box Office Record, which I think also helps to put things in perspective. But um, 
so yeah. Uh, yeah, if you look at the uh, at the summermoviewager.com uh, right now, it's becoming pretty clear that Disney just <laughs> owns everything that makes money. Yeah, uh, pretty much. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty much just the top five right now are all <laughs> Disney movies. Yeah, it's yep, insane. It's insane. What are we reviewing tonight? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's Disney all the way down. These are, I mean, you have to get, so... You have to get down to $168 million before <laughs> Disney doesn't have the money above that. Right. right. So $191 million, $319 million, $340 million, $376 million, and $854 million. All of those go to one place, and everybody else fights over the table scraps uh, in the bottom five of the top ten of the summer. Yeah. Uh, that's bonkers. Bonkers. Well, speaking of the Summer Movie Wager, which you can check in on at thesummermoviewager.com, uh, I mean, there's a couple of interesting things going on here. First of all, I was roundly laughed out of the room when I put Rocket Man at number 10. Uh, it, it will not be number 10. I, I will lose that bet. But I came a lot closer than I think you thought I would, Jeff. I mean, that's for sure. Rocket Man is currently at number 10 with 93 million, uh, but there's still Hobbs and Shaw yet to come. Um, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet to come. There's a couple more movies I could that, that almost definitely will beat Rocket Man. So uh, that is a bummer that I'm going to lose out on that. But um, I currently have a 9% chance to win the Summer Movie Wager. However, however, if Lion King hits number two, as everyone believes it will, uh, then if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood doesn't get into the top 10, apparently my chances of winning go up to around 30 to 40 percent uh so basically you as a film lover listening to this podcast you, you need to choose between two things all right rooting for david chen to win the summer movie wager which i know most of you will or rooting for uh quentin tarantino's ninth film once upon a time in hollywood to do well at the box office and i i think the choice is really, really clear between those two things, right? <laughs> I mean... This is, it is we, definitely clear. We all know what the correct choice is between those two things. You know, Dave Chen winning the summer movie wager, as is his rightful place at the <laughs> summer movie wager, or an original, bold, interesting movie making a lot of money. I mean, like those... It could not be more clear, I think. I, I, don't, even think I, I, can, I don't think I can make more clear than that, even by describing it, you know, differently. So... Uh, Interesting times. That said, Devinger, you are heavily times. favored right now. So, uh, oh, yeah. uh, you may clinch this yet. So, anyway, a uh, lot of interesting news going on this week, and we are going to get to more of it in a bit. Uh, but first, let's talk about some what we've been watching. Uh, the only person who's been watching anything this week is me. And I had a chance to watch a couple things. I'll just mention them really quick. First of all, Alex Aja's new movie, Crawl, is out in theaters. You guys heard about this movie? Yeah, horror movie, right? Yeah, horror movie. Mm -hmm. It's basically uh, man and woman face off against gators. That's the that's the movie in a house. Um, gators in a house. Gators <laughs> aren't supposed to be in a house. I agree with you, Jeff. I agree with you. Uh, I found this movie to be a lot of fun. I thought it was really well done. If you're looking for a horror movie that's like contained in one location, uh, I would recommend it. The main actor, uh, Kaya Scodelario, uh, uh, she plays the protagonist, Haley. She does an amazing job. This is a, this is a shoot that looked like it was hell. Like when, I, when I'm watching it, I'm like, 
this looks like it's uncomfortable to be doing what you're doing. Like they're they're basically like underneath a house, right? Is where a lot of the movie takes place, uh, and where it's like filthy. There's mud everywhere. There's dirt, uh, and I'm just like, why? I, I feel bad for the people who had to do this movie, but they they commit so much to these roles. Um, and the uh, gator effects look pretty convincing. You know, uh, I, I think overall I'm impressed with the ambition of this movie. Looks like a pretty low budget movie, but they try to deliver a lot in terms of visuals, particularly visuals involving water because there's a hurricane going on. That's why these people are trapped in a house with gators. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I just really quite enjoyed it. I think Alex Aja is one of the modern masters of horror, uh, and he did a great job making this movie Crawl, which is out in theaters right now. Uh, Devendra, is this, was this on your radar at all? I know you're also an Alex Aja fan. Oh, yeah. I love his stuff. I actually just checked out a VR thing he made last year, too, which was kind of cool, like horror movies in 360-degree video. He's a really inventive filmmaker, so I'm down with anything he does. Uh, I just rewatched Piranha 3D recently. Still a ton of fun. Yeah, um, I was impressed with his uh, remake of The Hills of Eyes. Obviously, High Tension is one of the movies I put him on the map. That came out in 2003. So, uh, big Alex Hodja fan, and I think Crawl is just like a really nice... Fun, contained horror movie, mostly set in one location with some great performances and some uh, neat visual effects. So uh, would recommend checking it out. It's a movie that I think is going to get lost in the shuffle this summer, but I think it will find an audience on home video. And if you have a chance to see it in the theater with some people, do so. The movie is Crawl. Uh, also, I had a chance to check out Master Z, Ip Man Legacy. Oh, nice. Have yeah. you heard of this movie, Master Z, Ip Man Legacy? Has a great trailer, yeah. Has a great trailer. Uh, and it is available right now on uh, Blu-ray. Uh, and the, the the thing that sold me on getting this movie is that it is uh, it stars Michelle Yeoh. Uh, and I, actually, I should mention um, that it also stars Dave Bautista and uh, Max Zhang. This is like a spinoff of It Man, right? Like, it's not yeah, yeah. It Man Prime. It's uh, Master Z who is a dude that got beaten by Ip Man in a previous movie, but he's still really good because even if you get beaten by Ip Man, you're still pretty good. Uh, I watched this movie solely for one reason, and that is to see Michelle Yeoh kick ass. Uh, I yeah. really the, enjoyed uh, the see- teacup, the teacup like fight thing. That was yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. That's right. That was awesome. That's you can see it in the trailer. Um, but after seeing her in uh, Crazy Rich Asians, I'm like, oh, you know, it, re- it rekindled my Michelle Yeoh love. And then I, you know, remembered watching her movies like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Super Cop. She only, uh, she only kicked psychological ass. That's right. Crazy she Rich only Indeed. kicked psychological Indeed. ass in Crazy Rich Asians. I wanted to see her actually manhandle some people. David and that Chen. is uh, what David Chen. Well, yeah. Let me just say, you have yet to watch Star Trek Discovery. Oh, yeah. I've heard she does some good fight scenes in Also features Michelle Yeoh kicking ass. Get on that. Come All on. right, yeah, I've heard I've heard he does good in that, so uh, I will have to check that out. But uh, yeah, uh, Dave Batista, Max Zhang, uh, Michelle Yeoh are all in this movie. They each get at least one fight scene. The movie is directed by Yen Wu Ping, um, and for those who don't know, he is a living legend in terms of his uh, fight choreography. Uh, he did the choreography for the Matrix, for instance. He did uh, the choreography for tons of other. Movies. Crouching Tiger, right? Didn't he um, do Crouching Tiger? Yeah, Crouching Tiger. Like many, and he many. He made classic... the Crouching Tiger sequel, which we will never talk about again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Many, many uh, uh, martial arts movies, and has helped to to shape how we view great fight choreography on screens. He directed 
uh, Master Z, Man Legacy. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it, the plot is basically nonsense. But if you want to see a lot of really great fight scenes and some involving Michelle Yeoh and some involving Dave Bautista, you really got to check it out. It's on Blu-ray today as you're listening to this. So uh, that's what I have been watching this week. Well, let me just stop you guys right here and ask you a question because I bet there are people listening to this right now. Right now. You're listening to this show right now. I'm talking to you, person with wired earbuds. Yeah, I know. I know you're you're using whatever the earbuds that came with your phone that have little wires connected to your phone and you're listening to our show. I appreciate you're listening to our show. But come on. What are you doing? It's 2019. Everybody needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. And maybe you've thought about it before and you went, oh, I don't want to drop hundreds of dollars on a pair of wireless earbuds. Well, guess what? You got to check out our sponsor, the wireless earbuds from Raycon. We just got Ray or I just got Raycon E50 wireless earbuds. And these are awesome. They're not the ugly stem thing that sticks out of your ear and looks goofy. These are stylish, sleek, sound great. I can I I got to tell you, I have been you for a long time. Mr. and Mrs. wired earbuds. <laughs> I love listening to podcasts when I run. And how many times have I accidentally knocked my own earbud out of my ear because my hand went up and hit the cord? How many times have I been doing chores in my house and I lean over and my wire gets caught on a handle of a drawer in my kitchen and yanks the ear out of my the earbud out of my ear? It's terrible. Not anymore. Not anymore because I have Raycon E50 wireless earbuds. They're comfortable. They're easy to take anywhere. They don't look goofy. And they're half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market. Sound is awesome. Raycon offers their wireless earbuds for everyone in a range of fun colors and an unbeatable price. I'm digging mine. And uh, we have a great deal. If you want to get out of the life you're living now, get out of the horrible wired life and get into 2019, go to buyraycon.com. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash Filmcast to get 15% off. That's buyraycon.com slash filmcast for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. If you've been eyeing a pair, now is the time to get an amazing deal. One more time. Buyraycon.com slash filmcast. Let's move on to film news this week. Uh, so much film news happened. I feel like I've lived a, a month of uh, film news Twitter in the past five days or so. And it began earlier this week when the Cats trailer dropped on the internet. Now, uh, we're going to talk about a few trailers today. And Jeff, you, you've graciously chosen to, to break your trailer fast yeah, it's because I love you guys. I love you guys, and you said uh, it has to happen, Jeff. You have you have to watch. These you have trailers. to watch the cats trailer, basically. And you held me down, and um, you held my eyes open with horrible uh, sticks, <laughs> toothpicks, and I watched the trailers. So I'm going to participate in the trailer discussion against my will. But here we go. All right. Well, thank you for doing that, Jeff. Uh, now, Jeff, are you a fan of the cats musical? Like, ha- have either of you seen the cats musical by any chance? I actually no. have never seen it. Oh, no. none, none of I us mean, have I seen it. Okay. Very familiar with the music because it's uh, part of pop culture at this point. Everybody right. knows memories and the, you know, the songs from, from cats are 
uh, I know m most of them by heart. <laughs> Actually, never seen it on stage. Well, uh, I, I think the uh, the internet had a pretty interesting reaction to this trailer. It was almost universal revulsion, is how I would describe it. I think yeah. people found the uh, cats, like the literal cats, a, a a bizarre combination of human and cat. And well, to be fair, the the stage play is a bizarre combination of human and cat. I mean, that's, the that's the, the thing I, is, I, I heard from people who have seen the the show that. Uh, I, I mean, they're very clearly, you know, humans in cat suits in, in the show. Whereas yeah, with, with elaborate makeup, right, and right, 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 air prosthetic pieces and ear prosthetic pieces added to their to their heads and faces to make them look as cat like as possible on stage. But the thing is, like, because of the magic of movies and visual effects, uh, you can make someone way more cat like than you can on a on a on a theater stage. I don't and, even think that they they tried to make them more cat-like. They just tried to make whatever that makeup is that they use on stage look less like makeup and more like an actual mutation. Yeah, I you think know that's what I mean? a great way of describing it. Yeah. So, Jeff, what were your your thoughts on this trailer? Did this make you want to see cats? No, <laughs> no, it did not. Uh, it's it's certainly a stellar cast they've put together for cats. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of musicals in general, so I probably wouldn't have been inclined to see this either way, but, um, yeah, no, it, it, it all the disturbing response. I don't understand how you look at this as the, the people behind this movie and go <laughs> nailed it, <laughs> nailed it exactly what we were going for. You know, it, it, it really isn't comfortable to look at. It is I, I, I think strange. the best uh, analogy is the um, uh, Sonic trailer that came out a while ago, where he was yeah. like, felt like he was almost more human than Hedgehog, and then they had to go back and fix it. Like he was in some uncanny valley of human animal hybrid, right? But even that, well, also, he, he he was just a bad Sonic model. Like that was the thing, right? At the yeah. very least, be Sonic, and he wasn't even Sonic. Yeah. And and he doesn't have a human face. I mean, these are actually yeah. see the actors. And it looks like some horrible experiment has gone wrong with them. I mean, you you see Judy Dench, you see Ian McKellen, you see uh, all these actors, but there's no there's no clear line of makeup. It is just it's just a horrible skin graft that's happened somehow, and they have hair on their face now. It's very very disturbing. Indeed, yeah. Devendra, any uh, closing thoughts on this? I feel like this is a movie designed entirely for the furry market 
And that, that's who it's for. This is the furriest of the furry movies. And I think everyone else, judging from the reaction on Twitter, everyone's just going to hate watch it. This movie's going to make a ton of money because everyone's going to go there because they hate the trailer so much. So I guess I they the win. They yeah. win. This movie's going to make a lot of money. And I don't, I don't, I don't know, like, what would you have done if you wanted to make the big budget Cats movie? I feel like, I mean, the whole idea is you still want it to be a musical. You still want it to be human beings using human bodies to dance and move. Does it have to be human beings? Like, I don't, I think yeah. Do. I think in order for it to be a musical, otherwise it's just, just like a Let's just go all Disney. the way CG. Let's just go all the way CG. Why not? I, I, th- I think there's something inherent in the, in the g- genre of musical where it's dance moves and choreography and yeah, human yeah. beings and human voice and all those human movements that is part and parcel to doing cats on a big scale. And I don't know if I would have just said, yeah, let's just do the makeup the way they did it on stage. I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 I, well, I, I would, I will say this. I would rather have whatever the hell we got, uh, with this cast trailer, then the uh, what the the approach and style they chose for the Lion King, I, I will put I will say that much, right? Well, like, we're at talk least... about Lion King in de- in depth, but I don't know. You don't know. You're, you're not you're not sure you uh, you agree with me. Those seem like both bad options, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> also, Devinger, I do want to say there there was a BuzzFeed story released entitled. Uh, uh, FYI, even furries think the cat's trailer looks bad, wh- which aggregates a bunch of uh, social uh, messages from furry enthusiasts, and uh, y- they are also very horrified by the cat's trailer. So that's hilarious. Um, I will I will say this: whenever any sub, uh, you know, niche uh, cultural genre gets mainstream, everyone tends to hate it within that group too. I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're, everyone's going to watch it. This movie's going to be the next biggest grossing movie of all time and we're all going to hate ourselves for it i mean this story at buzzfeed this story at buzzfeed quotes some pretty prominent members of the furry community and they are all really pretty grossed out about the movie so uh yeah i mean you know i'll we'll link to it in the show notes and uh you can look at the reaction and decide for yourself and if you are a furry of course you can then decide whether or not this movie uh, does it for you but i think that uh, it, it, this is a mo- the movie that so far is appealing to no one. However, we all saw what happened to Aladdin, and uh, this movie could still do really well. So, and by that I mean everyone was terrified of Blue Will Smith genie, but you know when uh, that happened, it was all it all worked out. You know what I mean? It all worked out. So, speaking of movie trailers that were released, I, I, I will say this. Uh, Jeff Kanata, Devendra, we have all been to Comic Con multiple times, right? Like, uh-huh. yeah, uh, done two, panels. Two, three years, you've done panels. You did a totally rad show live there. I mean, were we all Five there times. for the uh, what the initial Marvel announcement of Phase One? Like, yeah. that was a big the, deal. That was ten. One years of the ago. best moments of my life, honestly. Yeah. One of the one of the coolest geek moments of my life when they first assembled the Avengers on stage at Comic Con, and I was in that room. That was an incredible moment for me. Yeah. In the intervening years, I have. Uh, not gone to Comic-Con. I don't think I've been to Comic-Con like nine or ten years, um, eight or nine years. And uh, I have never felt like I missed anything. Like I've I've always felt (laughs) like, oh man, I'm glad I'm not there. Like I'm glad I'm not fighting with these lines. I'm glad I'm not exhausted carrying around all the swag and walking like a mile from panel to panel. Like I've just never, I've never seen anything that made me feel like, oh man, I should have been there until this year. 
which is specifically the Marvel panel, specifically the unveil of the new trailer for Picard starring Patrick Stewart, specifically the Top Gun trailer in which Tom Cruise showed up at Comic-Con. Um, so many announcements. So let, let's just take them all in, in that sequence. Let's start with the Top Gun trailer. Um, we had a chance well, to we see- should say, we yeah. just, real quick, we should just say, it's hard to remember that long ago, but there was a time when you would see something in Hall H and no one else would get to see it. Yeah, It wasn't immediately released on the internet like it is today. The, all this stuff, the moment it debuted in Hall H, people could watch it online. Yeah. And that's not mm-hmm. how it was. It was there was a Comic-Con thing that only happened at Comic-Con and for months people would talk about it. I mean, I remember uh Dan Trachtenberg one t- one year went and saw the the teaser for the sequel to Tron and we didn't go with him. We were Alex and I decided to go do something else. And for months he was like, "But the trailer for Tron was so crazy, you guys. I wish I could show you it." It it was a different time when Comic-Con didn't embrace streaming and <laughs> releasing things. And it was, it really was a, you have to be there or you miss it. Yeah. And I think a big part of it uh, changing was because of the proliferation of, of smartphones, right? Like they would say, Hey, we're only showing this to you. Like, please don't record it. And then some people would inevitably record it and put it online. And then it's like a really, crappy version of it shows up online and then i think basically they're like that's happening so frequently that it doesn't make sense to they want to show it to people in the best way possible it doesn't make sense to show people a crappy version online so then they would just start releasing them in high def online and then now like that problem is kind of solved but it kind of in some ways negates the necessity of being there in person except you get to see you know uh Patrick Stewart present the trailer for Picard and you get to see Tom Cruise present the trailer for uh, Top Gun 2 and you get to see the entire cast of Marvel Phase 4 on one stage. And, you know, it's those geek moments that it feels like Comic-Con can still feed uh, in an effective way. Uh, But yeah, Top Gun 2, a a movie that I had absolutely zero interest in until I watched this trailer. Uh, I mean, I just was like, oh, this is another one of those like sequels to a movie that no one asked for a sequel to and like who even wants to see Tom Cruise doing, you know, fl- flying stuff. United States barely even does dog fights anymore. You, you know, know what? like Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise wants it, Dave. That's all that matters. And that's and why this exists. I got to say this trailer is pretty awesome for two reasons. One being the amazing mu- like Top Gun music that comes on. Uh, when, you know, like they, they do a bunch of like cuts and then you hear that Top Gun music in like a very rich orchestral uh, arrangement and it sounds awesome. But then it also there's also many shots of Tom Cruise seeming to fly a fighter jet for real. 
Yeah. And uh, he totally learned how to fly an F-14 for that movie. You know, he did. I, I have no, no he, he already said everything you see in the film is real. That was what he said when it was announced. Okay. Yeah. I, I know I've, I've danced around this with in previous discussions of Tom Cruise movies. And I haven't come right out and said it. But I'm prepared now to full on say unabashedly without any equivocation. I'm a Tom Cruise fan. I am a fan of him. I know Jeff, he has a. Jeff, you loved the Tom Cruise mummy. We know. We know I, you're a fan. Dude, You're a huge like, Tom Cruise fan. I know. He's a complicated dude, and he's got problematic elements in his life. No doubt about that. But what he puts on the screen every time is incredible. I mean, in an age where we're getting more farther and farther and farther from reality in movies, and it's great. It's very fun to watch visual effects. It's very fun to watch movies with, with spectacle that has reached the level that we've reached nowadays. I love me some Avengers Endgame, et cetera, et cetera. But there's something so just visceral and you you recognize it. You watch that, that fisheye lens shot from the front of the F-14 with him taking off and getting slammed back in the back of that seat because the thrusters kicked in and you go, he really fucking did that. <laughs> and it, you feel it, you feel it. And it is, uh, he's making movies the way no one is making movies <laughs> these days. And it's, I mean, I have to, I, just, I feel I have like to he's going to keep doing this until, until something terrible happens. I don't yes. know. Like uh, even Macquarie just tweeted today. Like he has some crazier ideas up for the next mission Impossible movies. And it's like, what, what, what is next space? I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He will he will actually perform surgery on himself. He will do that opening <laughs> flight of first man, like just going to like the stratosphere of whatever, like yeah, just yeah. seeing that. He's going to do that. I genuinely am curious what is more dangerous than what was done in Mission Impossible Fallout and Top yes. Gun, I guess. Uh, he's hung off the sides of jets. He's done halo drops. Like it just is like, what? He's hung off the sides of the tallest building in the world. What what else is possible? I don't know. Uh, but I, I think one thing that's interesting about Top Gun 2 and also about The Lion King, which we're going to talk about later, is that they're basically taking an older movie and updating it with modern technology. And I think that's kind of interesting because in the case of Top Gun, obviously Top Gun's a classic. Tony Scott did an amazing job. But there were a lot of limitations with what they could do with the technology back then. Now, apparently, they have cameras that can live inside planes, uh, shoot in, I'm assuming, somewhere between 2 to 4K, and not be destroyed by G-forces, right? And that that right. is an impressive advancement in technology that's occurred since then. And I think it will open up new realms of storytelling that we're going to see in the movie. So I'm very excited about it uh, after seeing the trailer. So. Yeah, it's it the kind of thing just, where, like, even if Tom Cruise had flown his own F-14 in the first movie, we, it wouldn't have really mattered because he wouldn't have been able to really Yeah, you wouldn't it. be able to tell. You wouldn't have yeah. been able to tell. So Who knows? I, I will say every, almost pretty much every shot in this movie looks fantastic. Like, every shot in this trailer, this is kind of what we've come to know from Joseph Kaczynski, and his movies always look great. Oblivion is like, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Tron Legacy is still a beautiful movie. I haven't seen uh, that firefighting movie, but apparently it's very good, too, so I'm going to hunt that down. Uh, which movie are you referring to, Devendra? Is it only the only the Brave? I think the one about the California firefighters, Miles oh, yeah. Miles Teller's in it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, only the Brave. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Well, that's the Top Gun two trailer. Um. And you also mentioned the Picard trailer, Jeff Kanata. Have you ever been a stranger to yourself? 
many, many times. Nearly two decades ago, Commander Data sacrificed his life for me. These past few years, I really tried to belong here. But it never truly felt like home. Do you know who I am? Everything inside of me says that I'm safe with you. Admiral, I have encountered a woman. She came to me for help. If she is who I think she is, she's in serious danger. Uh, so this this is the one. This is the one that yes. I regret watching. Okay, but, well, sorry uh, about that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It, I I teared up during the trailer. Uh, mm -hmm. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty powerful, uh, especially as somebody who loves the next generation as as much as I do, and I know you do, Dave. Uh, it is um, it's powerful and well made trailer. I I you know I you guys wanted to talk about it. I bit the bullet, and there are things that happen at the in the last couple of beats of this trailer that I wish I had seen in the context of the show, but definitely walloped me, walloped me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I. I think this is so amazing because it's just not something you ever think could ever happen, right? It's it's something that the modern age of streaming has made possible, which is uh, you you have Captain Picard, one of the most beloved sci-fi characters in history, certainly one of my favorite sci-fi characters in history, uh, hung it up decades ago uh, after you know an amazing run at Star Trek: The Next Generation, like one of my favorite actors in all of Star Trek. And then for him to return as the same character, having Didn't lived the, decades, weren't there movies after that too? Like there were yeah, some movies yeah. after the series. Right? Yeah, and yeah, in fact, uh, the movie acknowledges Star Trek Nemesis as canon, right? Um, because oh, I should say the uh, the show Picard acknowledges Star Trek Nemesis as canon because you see like uh, Data is like all jacked up in the movie. Uh, I'm sorry, in the show. I apologize. Mm -hmm. uh, and so yeah, there's there's been movies since then as well, but. Uh, to see him in this character again uh, as kind of an old man, no longer in Starfleet anymore, um, is just like, it's amazing. I'm just, I, I was, I was mm -hmm. deeply moved just because I have so much love and affection for that character who uh, exemplified the uh, ideas of like nobility, of uh, yeah. bravery and courage and honesty and integrity. Um, and intellectualism, yeah, you know, intellectualism. like thinking through a problem. Yes, yeah. he was like the best of, still my favorite, you know, Star Trek captain. I know original series fans will think that's blasphemous, but I just think he's amazing. And the the fact, the idea that we get to see him again in this role is such a delight. Devendra, your thoughts, because mm -hmm. I, I think you're also a Star Trek fan as well. I mean, I, I'm I'm not as big a Star Trek fan as you guys. I didn't watch Next Generation going uh, growing up and stuff. Uh, I have been enjoying Discovery. I love the fact that CBS is just kind of pouring everything they have into these original series that not I, I don't think many people are actually watching them, but they're successful enough for them to like spend the amount of money you'd put into a future film in these series. Uh, so I think that's impressive. Also, this show is going to be a show run by Michael Shaban or Shaban, and I think that's uh, that's the that's author. Amazing. The yeah. author. The oh, noted wow. the author like, who has yeah. had no show running experience before. Ca Adventures of Cavalier and Clay is yeah. one of my favorite books. Yes, yeah. it, this is like a is a perfect storm of talent in the show. I hope it uh, ends up well. 
I, one thing we haven't even mentioned yet about this trailer is how thoroughly modern it looks. Uh, it, they could have easily made this Picard show kind of a throwback visually to an older type of Trek. Yeah. And it clearly feels more like the J.J. Abrams Trek world with kinetic action and lens flares and, you know, cool. It, it feels... It, it it looked real good, and I think it uh, it's going to be interesting to see how you know this very young cast that's going to surround Picard or you know uh, Patrick Stewart is is going to be I think much more along the lines of what Trek has been in recent years more than it what it was when his show was actually on. You got both both of you guys are the Star Trek fans, and you're not watching Discovery, and I'm very sad. I about know, this. but this yeah. I will when I end up buying the CBS All Access Pass because <laughs> Picard is on. Yeah, <laughs> you know? uh, like I'm I'm going to I'm definitely going to watch Picard. Like this is definitely something I need to do. So, uh, and seeing him say engage, I'm just like I didn't know I needed this. Like usually I David Chen like hate this kind of stuff of like oh they're just like mining yeah. our nostalgia to make money yeah. but I, this I'm just, birth through your cold black heart that's basically. right 99% of the time I'm like you know what like I don't I don't care about the I just it's just and the movie we're reviewing today great example of like mining our nostalgia to just make some money and without adding anything new and I'm like you know I, a I hope it does well, I, I like. I hope it's actually artistically interesting because I, I just want anything to be good. But B, I don't know that I care because I just want to see Patrick Stewart play Picard again. All that he's learned, I just want to see. It's just such an amazing thing that we get to see that character on screen again. So uh, I'm throwing my objectivity to the wind for this one. But that's Picard. It'll be on CBS All Access. Uh, we I should just, mention. Yep. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. You should mention what? Uh, I was just going to say like uh, the Top Gun release date. Uh, is going to be in June 26th of 2020. And I think Cats is coming out this Christmas. So for those of you who are looking forward to those movies and shows, uh, Picard 2020, Top Gun 2020, Cats later this year. What are you going to say, Jeff? I just, I know that I'm going to get a lot of emails from people who are like, oh, see, isn't it fun watching trailers? Isn't it great? <laughs> and I just want to point out, firstly, uh, I had no problem watching the Cats trailer because I will happily watch trailers from movies I have no interest in seeing. Um, <laughs> so that was not a problem at all. In fact, I feel like I've had the full Cats experience now seeing the trailer. <laughs> You're all cats up. You don't need to yeah, watch any more Cats I need anymore. not watch the movie now, um, although we may review it. Who knows? Um, <laughs> the other two, I, I, you know, even as teasery as Top Gun was and as as cool and emotional as I got, or as cool as it was and as emotional as I got watching the Picard trailer, I I really would have been happy not seeing those. I I, <laughs> I don't feel like I missed anything. I don't feel like the the moment that I had watching those trailers trumps what I would have felt in the context of the actual work seeing those beats. So I just I just want to say that I'm still consistent and don't fret everybody. I'm not like changing yeah. my <laughs> changing my tune here. Yeah, and if you want to hear a very thorough, uh, articulate, and emotional defense of a passionate defense, I should say, of that position. Just listen to the first episode of Culturally Relevant, the other podcast that I mentioned. And then subscribe to it and listen and to the rest of them. Subscribe to it. Listen to the rest. That's great great advice, Jeff. Um, okay. We got to talk about Marvel announcements. I was at dinner on Saturday night with a friend, and Devendra starts blowing up my phone. He's like, dude, Dave, have you seen this? And then once I, like, once I hopped on Twitter, I, was like, I couldn't stop paying attention. Because basically, at the Marvel panel, which I've heard from multiple people is the highlight of Comic-Con this year, they un unveiled Phase 4 of Marvel. We, we've always been wondering like what is going to happen after yeah. Phase 3, 
which has like the entire phase one through three has now been dubbed the Infinity Saga, I believe, right? So cool. Um, so cool. And who knows like what's going to happen? Like, how is the Infinity Saga going to be sold? Is there going to be like a twenty-two? Uh, Blu-ray box set, you know, yes, is there going to be uh, an, uh, like a, a video on demand uh, Infinity Saga thing you can buy? Probably. Um, but that's the name for it. And we should point out, by the way, before we proceed with this next conversation, we will be spoiling Avengers Endgame. So like, if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame uh, and you are listening to this podcast for some reason, skip ahead to the review of Lion King because we've got to spoil Avengers Endgame if we're going to talk about this in, in any meaningful extent. So, as I hear it, w- it being told, uh, they put up like phase four on the big screen, and there was like ten dates on the screen, and everyone like went nuts because it's like, are these the next ten Marvel films? That's crazy. Of course, it wasn't ten films; it was uh, a mix of TV and movies. Um, let's try to keep it mostly centered on on the movies for this conversation, because uh, otherwise we'll just be here for the next hour talking about Marvel stuff. But it starts okay. with um, <laughs> Jeff. Like I'm fine with that. It starts with Black Widow coming out in May of 2020. Um, Scarlett Johansson, uh, David Harbour, Florence Pugh, Rachel Weisz, directed by Kate Shortland. That's an amazing cast. Great director. Uh, but I can't help but wonder how the hell they're going to handle this movie in the yeah. wake of Avengers Endgame, right? Well, also, it's this movie is coming way late after several other like uh you know female driven spy movies like this movie should have happened years ago now after yeah. atomic blonde is, after all these movies like after it atomic make blonde salt red sparrow like these are all movies that have come out in the intervening years uh i don't know if i don't know if uh, salt came out before the first marvel film but yeah. it's it's around red there. sparrow which is basically the black widow story so yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's rough so uh, a i'm curious how they're going to be able to add something new to this genre but b Given what we know of Natasha Romanoff's fate, I, I, I don't know how, like, is this going to be a prequel? Are they going to bring Natasha Romanoff back to life? Jeff, do you have any uh, predictions on what's going to happen here? Well, Dave, um, I guess you could say my feelings about this entire Marvel slate <laughs> could best be summed up in the form of a limerick. Whoa. Oh, man. Early yeah. limerick. Yeah. F- Early film limerick. news. Gotta do it. Limerick. Gotta do it. It's Marvel. Gotta do it. When I saw the Marvel Slate gif, I started to tear up and sniff Black Widow and Thor and Fantastic Four and a series based on What If? Nice. Suffice to say, I was very excited. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I uh, this is bonkers. This is bonkers. We're in total bonkers land uh, as far as Phase Four. Like, there are no rules anymore. <laughs> Everything is that. This is a movie of a character that's dead. So we know how this character works. So they're going to they're going to do a movie where she's in peril, I suppose I would assume. And yet we know that she dies later. Uh it's it's a it's a crazy tightrope to walk. I think if it's fun and exciting and cool it it won't really matter, but it's an, a weird thing. It's going to be placed it's a prequel but not really a full prequel because it's not her origin story. It kind of takes place after the events of the Winter Soldier, so it just like we're just sticking it in. We're just sticking it in the middle of all the movies you've already seen. And who cares? Because it's going to be so fun and action-packed and the cast is going to be so great that you'll just love it. And I, and, and I love how confident they are. Just so confident with this entire slate. Uh, confident bringing all kinds of new kinds of characters front and center. Uh, confident because they've got all the characters they could possibly want now. And they're going to the build them in the are right off. 
basically. They change right? it up. I mean, the fact that Feige gets up on stage and, and is like, yeah, I don't even have time to talk about mutants. It's like, yeah. <laughs> or so Fantastic much... Four. Yeah. Or like, geez. And the, uh, uh, by the way, the highlight of all this, like all these announcements are great. Uh, the he did a one more thing. He did a Steve Jobs where he was like, one more thing, uh, Mahershala Ali, please walk on stage, put on yeah. this cap, and the cap says Blade, and everybody erupts. I I would have given a lot to be in that room at that. No, it's yeah. insane. You get a multi-Oscar winning actor to <laughs> play Blade. You get you. I mean, it's like they just get to create whatever they want. I mean, and, what, what's in, what's what's great about this, right, Jeff, is that they could have just coasted on the massive historic achievements that they already had, right? Like, yeah. they could have just been like, hey, we're just going to bring uh, uh, Tony Stark and uh, Chris Evans and, you know, like uh, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, and, you know, one other, Chris Hemsworth. And that's the whole panel. And, like, everyone would have gone nuts for that. Like, everyone would have been happy. But, nope, none of that. It's going to be completely forward-looking, super yes. bold move, very confident. And, and they're setting up dominoes now for the next generation of heroes. Uh, you know, the fact that we've got a full-on series with new Captain America, you know, Falcon, who is now new Captain America following the events of Endgame. The, and, and, you know, as I said in my limerick, the, the thing that just gobsmacked me as a Marvel zombie from way back is a what-if series. I... I <laughs> I have said many times on the show and other places that when I was a kid, I used to dream about, you know, of an Avengers movie where they started with a Captain America movie and then they got to the Avengers and, you know, you would dream like, wow, wow, wouldn't it be insane if they did like cosmic heroes and you got to see the infinity gauntlet. Oh my God. And, and that all seemed highly unlikely, but sort of, you could kind of imagine it nowhere nowhere in my wildest dreams did i ever think there'd be a universe where you could even do a what if as a big budget thing now i know it's going to be right. animated not live action but evidently they've got like actually the actors to do the character voices the actors that have been in the the big screen live action stuff to do the character voices and the prerequisite for a what if series which is a a series i adored as a kid cuz it allowed it, it is it is marvel's comic book where they broke all the rules it's like hey let's just for a second let's just imagine if the stories that you loved turned out differently and almost always turned out dramatically differently like we're gonna just imagine what if the bad guys won or what if you know this person didn't do a thing that you know that they didn't it was the linchpin to the whole story what if what if what if there were always these like one shot or small story arc series mostly one shots where you would see this cool moment of Marvel history turn out completely differently. Like yeah, an so, so here's some, here's some like actual uh, titles of these, right? Like what if the Hulk had the brain of Bruce Banner? I think we already saw that one. What if Jane Foster had found the hammer of Thor? What if Dr. Doom had become a hero, right? Like these are yeah. some of the actual comic titles. Yeah. And to even have that be a possibility as a show, you have to have this, long history of story beats to choose from. You have to have this established history that is common knowledge of your audience and your fan base yeah. to pluck from and to do it a different way. It has to be so well known that doing it a different way has meaning. Right. And so the fact that they have laid the foundation over a decade where the show like that can even exist is just mind blowing, mind blowing. 
Wow. Uh, I, I didn't know that that would capture your imagination so much, but that's pretty cool. Uh, what if that is uh, debuting on Disney Plus in mm-hmm. summer of 2021? I, I think that's just like the best example of like how far they can take things now, right? Like that, by the way, is all about cultural relevancy uh, because we understand what it is. We can we can flip around with those things. But also, uh, you mentioned uh, female Thor in those what if titles. That's that's happening. Yeah, yeah. Thor: Love and Thunder, and I guess maybe that's partially why Natalie Portman also reappeared in uh, in the last two Avengers movies or in Endgame. Uh, yeah, um, will be really fun to see her as that role. It's interesting because like I I didn't. Uh, my understanding was she didn't part on the greatest terms with Marvel franchise. Yeah, she hated Thor too, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. and but like now they brought her back into the fold, so that's pretty impressive. Um, so Black Widow, we already mentioned May of 2020, uh, and then you mentioned Falcon Winter Soldier Fall of 2020. The Eternals coming out in November of 2020, uh, and this is really interesting. Uh, it, it, it's, it's like so, Jeff. Can you sum up what The Eternals is about? This is so. Uh obscure at this point uh i get the eternals confused um these are uh <laughs> I, you know this is a neil gaiman book for a while and it's older than that like this is such a deep cut even jeff is having trouble yeah like, that's i'm amazing. not these are fantastic i never read the eternals growing up this isn't my we're that's where we are now i don't even know <laughs> these guys like the back of my hand like i do you know um, much of the marvel universe these are not these are not my books anymore i love it i love the cast is super diverse and interesting yeah. i'm super well, excited uh, to apparently find out they're more. like a, a fictional species of humanity that like are have godlike powers uh and they uh, the the cast is super diverse you got angelina jolie richard madden kumal nanjiani uh lauren ridloff brian tyree henry selma hayek uh and the the movie is directed by chloe Zhao, which who is a uh asian woman who directed the writer uh, which was one of my favorite films of 2018. So uh, I, I just have to say generally, and we're going to get to this a little bit more later, but like seeing this cast on stage for the Eternals, for all these movies, it's like, what? it is so beautiful that this is the future of blockbuster filmmaking in America. I, I, mean, I wonder if that theory, by the way, about like uh, if it was really Ike Perlmutter kind of holding Marvel back in terms of what they could do before, because he's out now, right? And he's he's no longer making Feige. most of the main decisions. But yeah, yeah, I, doing it. I mean, you you look at this cast on the stage, and it's like that is what America looks like, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's beautiful. Except and, that America isn't quite as jacked as that. <laughs> it's our uh, deal. It's I. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's our, it's our ideal form, and it's uh, it's amazing to think about. You know, Disney. You guys were just talking about earlier about how they're dominating the box office. I think they have somewhere around like forty percent market share of box office receipts, which is an incredible amount of power to wield for one company. Uh, but they seem to be wielding it at least somewhat responsibly when it comes to creating diverse casts and. Uh, that's amazing. Like on the one hand, it's you don't want any uh company like Disney to control that much of the box office. But hey, uh, they are also doing great things for putting uh people of color in front of and behind the camera, and that mm-hmm. needs to be commended. So no one mouse should have all that power, as they say. Agreed. <laughs> yes. Agreed. But that's yeah, a, but it, it did take ten years, though. It did take ten years <laughs> for a lot of this stuff to happen. So yeah, credit for what's happening in Phase Four. 
Um, you know, really, I, I, my middle finger is still being, you know, I'm still sticking it up at the people who prevented all this throughout the past couple of movies. So, but we have things coming up like Shang-Chi and yeah. Legend of the Ten Rings. So that, that is, is what Devinger texted me about, right? Like, yeah. you're, you're like, dude, Shang-Chi, uh, which is coming out in February 12th, uh, 2021. Uh, yes. And it's, it's uh, again, directed by uh, a, an Asian-American director and uh, has... A pretty incredible cast, including who? Uh, two two words for you, Tony Leung. <laughs> yeah, Tony motherfucking Leung. Like I don't, he, the dude has never made an American movie, and he's doing it for Marvel. Like that is that is pretty insane. I'd say. Yeah, I mean, and we should point out that uh, Simu Liu is uh, playing the main character Shang Chi, um, uh, and the people who watch Kim's Convenience may know of him from there. Yeah, but. Uh, Many interesting things about this. First of all, it is Marvel's first Asian superhero. And that is amazing. I think like somebody pointed out that in an older episode of the Slash Filmcast, I said it could take like a decade before we see an Asian American superhero. And I was almost right. But I, I don't think it's quite a decade. But it... I, I think we're forgetting Iron Fist, sir. But okay. <laughs> well, uh, uh, unless you want to count Dr. Strange's sidekick. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm yeah. not going to. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to. He, he, he's a good side buddy. Yeah. Uh, and I think it, Benedict Wong would like to feel <laughs> like he's significant enough. And I, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, nice, I appreciate. Nice I appreciate the shout out to Benedict Wong. I'm a big fan of Benedict Wong, but uh, this is something altogether different. It is so exciting that we will have an Asian American superhero at the center of a Marvel film. Tony Leung playing the Mandarin. Um, so curious how they're going to do that because yeah. the Mandarin was a character uh, that was kind of was an amalgamation of Orientalist stereotypes uh, and was so kind of toxic that Iron Man 3, they, they were like, we're not even going to do that character. We're going to do a whole different version of that character. They did a joke with, uh, yeah. with uh, Ben Kingsley. Um, ben right? Kingsley. Yeah. 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 But and we heard like you say, you've not better open the... up. I, I'm just saying, I hope this movie opens up with Tony Leung just kicking Ben Kingsley's ass. Like, just <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, Jeff, what were you going to say? Uh, I was just saying that Feige at, at one point said you have not seen the real version of the Mandarin yet. So yeah, it's true. I so, think that's what we're going to see here. And and that's the thing is like if it was any other studio, Jeff, if it was like Fox that was making this prior to Disney acquisition, right? If it was any other studio, if it was somebody who isn't the world famous Tony Leung, legendary Chinese actor Tony Leung, I'd be kind of worried about it. But that combination of things. Uh, really puts my mind at ease, and I yeah. could not be more excited for this. Uh, and particularly, and d- just wait. By the way, I bet you, I bet you, the end credits of that movie, Chai Yun Fat walks into frame, and oh. we will all scream. We he's will. He's gonna scream. do like a uh, like a. <laughs> he's gonna pull a Nick Fury from uh, End of yes. Iron Man One, basically. Yes. Uh, I I am so unbelievably excited, and, and like the guy they cast, Simulu, like this this guy is going to make like Asian male heroes into something aspirational i am i really feel like there i have a lot of hope for this movie it's coming out in uh february of 2021 super psyched so uh later that year uh may 7th 2021 doctor strange in the multiverse of madness what a great Uh, title yeah uh, i think a riff on in the mouth of madness right Um, yeah and they're talking about this being their first horror movie right yeah and coming cool, up many right? years after the original Doctor Strange, we should point out, right? So, like, yeah. a lot of stuff will have happened in the five intervening years between Doctor Strange 1 and, and Multiverse of Madness. Uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to 
be the state of play by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jeff, is there a uh, Doctor Strange story that you're aware of that this might be based off or referenced? Uh, it doesn't immediately come to mind. I may be missing something obvious that I, I didn't really do any research in preparation for the segment. So I, I, nothing <laughs> pops into my mind that that is a reference to, but there are lots of excellent Dr. Strange stories. And, uh, what I, what I like about that is a reference to the multiverse, which is a, a big thing in, in the Marvel universe of comics. Um, the idea that there's an infinite number of worlds and an infinite number of things. And we've kind of seen reference to that with Dr. Strange in the past, but, uh, that leads to the potential for stuff to get real wacky and weird. And that's when Dr. Strange for my money is at its best in the comics is when it's super weird. And, uh, and, and they're talking about it being a horror movie. You know, it can be demons. It can be scary. I mean, it's going to be PG 13, but it can be scary and weird and disturbing and have this charismatic guy at the center of it. I'm, I'm so down for this. It might be like, uh, Marvel's Aquaman, you know, like in the sense that like Aquaman, I feel like had, uh, some pretty strong horror elements. Um, uh, and I feel it being directed by Justin Wan, and I feel like, uh, maybe there's some potential for that kind of like really striking imagery in, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So that's May of 2021. And Devinder, you already mentioned the fourth Thor movie in which uh, Taika Waititi will return along with Natalie Portman and Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. Uh, and that is coming out again in November of 2021. So a lot that Marvel announced in this panel um, and you know movies for the next two years worth. Really, phase. only two years, though, is phase four, which is very interesting. And you're talking about phase five potentially being Captain Marvel 2 and Black Panther 2. Right. And, yeah, you know, no, a no lot Black of, Panther 2 anywhere on this. Which I, I was No Captain Marvel 2, no Black Panther 2, no. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of uh, expected stuff that evidently is going to be phase five. Right. Uh, and, and I just love that they even talk about it in these terms, that they have this grand plan. Uh, it, it, I mean – it's just so rad to see a, a studio working at this level and maintaining this quality and this level of cohesion and, you know, spinning all these different plates and making something that adds up to Endgame and going, okay, that's a chapter ending. We're going to start something new and it's going to add up to something on its in its own right. We're going to build this new library of heroes with all these new cool actors. I love the ambition. I love swinging for the fences. I love their commitment to closing the book on things that have been super successful and the confidence in knowing they can make new things successful. Yeah. It's just awesome to see, man. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine having accomplished one of the greatest things in the history, like the greatest feats of film production in the history of the medium and then just keep going, you know, like just, yeah. just not like you just spent 10 years of your life building an unstoppable juggernaut and you're like, you know what? Hey, here's ten more things we're gonna do, including multiple television series, right? Like, yeah. th- those aren't just like movies; it's like a whole story told over like many, many episodes. Uh, that that's gonna be. And we should mention the other series were WandaVision, Loki, Hawkeye, uh, as well. Uh, in addition to What If and the Falcon and Winter Soldier, all gonna be on Disney Plus. I mean, uh, my Disney Plus subscription is already like purchased for the f- next few years. I'll say. Oh so, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I have a question for Devendra though. Uh, I don't. I, we mm-hmm. haven't really talked about this too much. I wonder how you feel about uh, Thor four 
sidetracking the Akira movie that Taika was going to do. I mean, it sounds it sounds like both were pretty much in development at the same time. And yeah, it seems like things kind of got messed up with the Akira movie. It's a shame, but I'd much rather see Thor 4, honestly. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I think he could make a good Akira movie, but I'm not like super anticipating that. Uh, I, I'd rather see Thor 4. And also, in general, with all these things, I kind of hope we don't get another like 10 year build up to something huge. Let's keep telling these like individual weird stories. I think and maybe like interconnect them somehow, but I don't want another like endgame type thing. Like I, I feel like that drains away a lot of the narrative potential of these things because we'll, we'll think of phase two in Marvel and like just how how dull most of those movies were. Like I, I kind of don't want to repeat that. Yeah, I mean, mm. that's interesting, right? That there is no like... Avengers equivalent on this list right now, right? Like Avengers one was theoretically the end of, the end of Phase one, right, of the Infinity Saga, but there's no like equivalent of that in Phase four, yeah. Yet, uh, so it will be interesting to see how they're going to try to combine people into movies if they end up attempting that. Jeff, any closing thoughts before we move on? I mean, this is yeah, it's it's just beyond uh, imaginable to me yeah. that that we're here and. It's really cool. I can't wait to see the the TV shows and how they manage to make those feel like they deserve to be side by side with the movie properties. You know, I mean, you you talked about that image of those those mom- those dates, those tent poles. They are treating those television series as contemporaries, as equals to the the movie properties, yeah, which and has not been done before. We should point no, out. No, even it's... with Agents of Shield, which sort of obliquely tied into things it really felt like the redheaded stepchild you know it really felt like the yeah it's in the same universe but that's a tv show and we're doing movies here and i i think that's all changing and i i can't wait to see how it changes and in what ways those shows feel like they're worthy of that you know i, I don't mean to make it sound you're not worthy, but you know, if you're going to put them up there side by side with these multi-million dollar, crazy, big tentpole things, I want to, I want to see why they deserve that. It's going to be yeah. awesome. I mean, we never saw like a daredevil, uh, crossover with the Avengers or anything. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. the, the, but that's these... all dead. That's all yeah, dead. It's all, it's all Ali is now blade. So, and he was the villain of, you know, right. uh, Luke Cage. So yeah. It, yeah, it's all kind of broken now. It's a shame. Also, I feel like uh, Mahershala Ali really has to watch his back because Wesley Snipes will just appear and just like be very pissed off for the next <laughs> couple of years. Uh, you you also mentioned that they didn't have time to talk about mutants and such. Uh, he did. Kevin Feige did mention there will be a Fantastic Four uh, reboot as well as more Dude. stuff with X Men in the future, but they they didn't have time to talk about it. Yeah. So. I- the ca- just Four. the casting ideas, yeah, for that is kind of mind-boggling to me. Somebody threw out uh, on Twitter, threw out, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, Quiet Place. Uh, John Krasinski? Like, yeah. yeah. Krasinski J- Jack and, Ryan? Uh, and, Devendra? Yeah, Jack Ryan and <laughs> Emily Blunt. Like, imagine imagine if they did that together. Mm. There, there's so many things we could do with that franchise. Uh, I have such a love of... Uh, of a fantastic four the the walt simonson fantastic four run is a, among my most cherished readings as a child i i've been wanting fantastic four to be good on the big screen every time that one has been made and it has been uh sad 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 every time and i 
I hear Feige talking about it. You know, he talked not in the panel, but later on he was interviewed and he's like, yeah, he kind of was dissing the other Fantastic Four movies. And I, I believe that they will do it right. And I cannot wait. I want Fantastic Four to be good so badly. And yeah. this is yeah. this is like uh, waiting for Spider-Man Homecoming after the first two Amazing Spider-Men at Sony, right? Yeah. Like yeah. we've yeah, so totally. many years of like bad Fantastic Four movies. Like we finally may get a chance to get a good one now. Uh, and there's so much potential. Like those yeah. those characters are so foundational, right, to the universe. Um, but they have been done a disservice so far over the last couple decades. Yeah, honestly, the the the, bi- the biggest sadness for me is that you won't see this version of Reed Richards talking to Tony Stark yeah. and Bruce Banner. You know, it's going to yeah. be, yeah. Well, still- um, who knows? Maybe uh, they'll bring Tony Stark back or it'll be like a younger version of Tony. You know, who knows? It'll be yeah. a Tony Stark AI eventually. Yeah. Like just to get him back in the movie <laughs> he'll, somehow. He'll, he'll be chatting with Edith or something like that. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I feel the anyway. same way, by the way, about the, the potential for mutant stuff. Like we've had a lot of great X-Men movies even recently. Like Logan was not that long ago. Uh, but yeah, I really, I really cannot wait for them to kind of reboot this, give us a fresh look at the X-Men and kind of wrap them into this universe in a smart way. It'd be really exciting. I think they need to take a break on the, the X-Men. I think that's the plan, right? Like yeah. five years. It's going to be a yeah. while. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, it's been a lot of fun talking about this with you guys, um, geeking out about it. We don't usually do this on the show. Uh, but the, again, like when something like this big happens, when announcements this big happen, we got to chat about it. So appreciate your time to talk about it. Let's move yeah. on before we get to our review of The Lion King, though. We got to thank donors to the Slash Filmcast, people who donated Hans Sani, Andrew C. from Claymont, Delaware, who writes, quote, my first Slash Filmcast was Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, and I've been listening ever <laughs> since. Keep up the good work. Wow. That is a deep cut. Uh, of the Slash Filmcast. Bad Lieutenant, Portal Call New Corleans. That was episode 95 of the Slash Filmcast uh, in <clears throat> uh, April of 2010. I My understanding is you guys for a long time were saying if you want to uh, get hooked on the show, start with Bad Lieutenant, <laughs> Port of Call New Orleans. Indeed, yes. indeed. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a good movie. And uh, C. Robert Cargill was the guest at that time. At that time. C. Robert Cargill, who is now an award-winning author as well as the screenwriter for films such as Sinister and Doctor Strange, uh, was still writing reviews for Anna Cool News when uh, we were reviewing Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call New Orleans. So uh, lots changed since episode so 95 yeah. of the Slash yeah. <laughs> I just, just had the same thing with uh, a guest on DLC where they're like, oh, yeah, the last time they were on the show was like five years ago and now they're working for Sony and they worked for Capcom. Oh. and. Just like this situation, it's like, man, people get so successful, and we're still doing the same thing. <laughs> we're still on. We're the still here you doing know, this, and people are just living their dreams. They're just like their lives are blown. Their professional lives are blown up in a good way. You know, yeah, it's going great. It's going great. Yeah. Uh, Jordan wrote in, <laughs> donated, and wrote in. Um, uh, so last few weeks, we've had people from uh, Decatur. Atlanta or D- Decatur, Georgia, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and I I butchered Decatur on the first time, and I said Decatur, and then the next person said, "Hey, it's pronounced Decatur." And Jordan donates and writes into both the first two people from De- from Decatur. He says, "Hello, John and Jamie, fellow Atlantan here. Twain's sounds good. How about Friday the twenty sixth at nine p.m. Devendra, book a quick flight and come hang. See you there." They're using our show. 
as a scheduling app now. <laughs> right. Listen, Which, if you pay, we, if you we, donate, we, sure, sure, go for we're it. Just, we're just delivering notes in class. <laughs> so, Although, again, he's saying uh, Twain's. Uh, Friday the 26th at 9 p.m. I want to hear what, like, do, are, are John and Jamie going to show up and meet Jordan at Twain's on Friday the 26th at 9 p.m.? Who knows? Who you knows? Know if, if you donate to the Slash Filmcast, we'll be happy to organize your next event. <laughs> and by organize it, I mean just tell people what time and where. Yeah. I, I will say, like, I probably won't do this. Like, if, if this becomes a thing, we'll probably not do it as much, but. No, it needs to become a thing. Come I want to hear if this will work. If. Uh, John and Jamie will join Jordan, John, Jamie, and Jordan at yeah. Twain's at Friday uh, at nine twenty the twenty sixth at nine p.m. If this is a thing, we have to make it like it's a donation required. So you know, yeah, donate twenty fifty bucks, and uh, we'll we'll shout out your event. Uh, funny enough, I will be in Atlanta like at the end of August. So I don't know, maybe I should try to gather Do some it. folks. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, you should just show up there and uh, stroll in. <laughs> uh, also, guys, if this works and people start donating to help, you know, organize stuff. Next step is missed connections. We could do <laughs> no. missed connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, so, um, Jordan, fan d- sitting in the dark in the back row of the theater. <laughs> Me, guy who spilled my popcorn. Did you feel the spark? I did. Here's my donation to the Slash Filmcast. <laughs> Jordan, do email us. Let us know if John and Jamie show up. Um, and I, I guess what would be most efficient is for me to just give you each your email addresses, but I am not going to do that um, because <laughs> it is just much more efficient to organize things on the air. You know, this would be really good if we had swag. People could just wear their uh, film cast shirts yeah. and hats and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, we got to get on that. Yeah. We should, uh, thank, make, we should make swag that just says, I'm the guy from the thing. <laughs> Here to meet you, <laughs> slash film guest. Yeah, I'm just yeah. a guy sitting in a bar waiting for some film nerds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The fame thing is it's not real, you know. Anyway, okay. Thanks to new subscribers Celeste Benavides, Abinav Gaba, and Alejandro Del Castillo um, for donating at the rate of $2 per month. If you want to support the Slash Filmcast, help us defray the cost of doing the show, go to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. Uh, and uh, just donate there. You can also go to slashfilm.com click on the Slash Homecast tab and use the PayPal links on the side of the page to donate. Um, never donate if it in any way causes you hardship of any kind. But of course, if you do have the ability to support us, we really appreciate it. If you don't have any money whatsoever and you still want to support us, just leave a review for us. It takes like a minute. Click on the uh, star rating, say a few sentences about us. It will be very much appreciated. All right, let's move on to our review of The Lion King. Everything you see exist together in a delicate balance. While others search for what they can take, a true king searches for what he can give. Run away, Simba. And never return. Take your place in the circle of life. That was from the trailer for The Lion King. This is the new 
version directed by John Favreau that, that is coming out in uh, 2019. As we are recording this, of course, it's a remake of the 1994 version. But this one stars people like Chiwetel Ejiofor, John Oliver, James Earl Jones, uh, the only cast member to be in both films, as well as uh, Alfre Woodward, uh, Woodard, and uh, Eric Andre, Seth Rogen, Billy Eichner, and Beyonce. Beyonce's in this movie. So, uh, Divinder Hardwar, I got to ask you, I mean, uh, I, I think for all of us, the original uh-huh. Lion King, the animated film from 1994, is beloved. Uh, what did you think of this new take on the story? Um, completely pointless, I, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, here's the thing. John Favreau made the movie Chef, right? In the aftermath of, like, Iron Man 2, that movie is very clearly a, uh, you know, a metaphor for his struggles working within the big studio system, uh, churning out other people's flavors and recipes and really struggling against the fact that he couldn't he couldn't just cook his own thing. So he, he started a food truck, yada, yada, yada. John Favreau goes on to make a shot-for-shot shot remake of The Lion King? Are you kidding me? Um, I, I think this movie is gorgeous. It looks very good, uh, you know, in terms of the environments and the characters. But, like, I think at a fundamental level, I'm a huge fan of animation and the expressiveness of animated characters and the the goal to like do photo real animals uh, while also giving them the personality of the characters from the original Lion King just doesn't work. It is yeah. completely wrong. It, like it, it doesn't work at all. It's a really good looking movie. I mean, it's still the Lion King. I think the story and the drama is all really well done. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think some of the songs work as well either. Just because it is it's just a photo real lion singing and it it doesn't look right. I need I need like I need the expressiveness. I need eyebrows. I need something to kind of convey what these characters are trying to say. And uh yeah, trailer is like eyebrows. Eyebrows. <laughs> I, I got eyebrows. Have all uh, the eyebrows in the world. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm mostly disappointed. I will say though, this also seemed like a good opportunity to kind of explore some newer technology as well. Like clearly they're showing off their animation skills here. Uh, but this thing, like, imagine if this were in high frame rate and this is a movie that kind of would have deserved high frame rate. Like that stuff at 60 FPS or something like nature footage would look incredible. And I do feel like that's kind of a lost opportunity as well. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on the new Lion King? Well, Dave, <laughs> I guess you could say my thoughts about the Lion King are best summed up in the form of a limerick. Two limericks. What a, Two. What a, what a day. What a day. Special, special, special episode. All right. I suppose the question is, would you believe a movie is good if it's made beautifully but has no reason to be? It exists just because they could? And nice. Thank you. And that is my central question with this movie. I think it is astonishing. Astonishing what this movie is. It is, as Devendra said, absolutely gorgeous. It's beautifully made. In contrast, I think, to the Aladdin movie, which feels cheap and kind of false and goofy at times, this movie is actually really beautiful. Beautifully made. Just Stunning. And I kept thinking to myself, just one generation ago, if you had sent this movie through time to my dad in the 60s and said, watch this movie, my dad would have been like, how did they train those 
this is it's it's impossible. <laughs> How did they? Yeah. I mean, it is truly photorealistic. It, it is. It looks like animals. When, when did lions evolve to speak? Is what he might have. They would have been, so many people must have died training these lions to do this. Yeah. How the hell? I mean, I would love to have that moment of just showing this to someone before there was digital effects right. and just tr them trying to grok what what they are witnessing. You know, like how can this be? Yeah. I'm watching very dangerous wild animals sing and dance. How is how is it even possible? And it's uh, not just the lions, too, the environment. Yeah, the like, environment. Like, yeah, yeah. It is, it is extraordinary. And there there are the animation itself is extraordinary. It is it really looks like how animals really move and fall. And I mean, it is it is astonishing the technical prowess on display in this movie. And I also found myself really enjoying it. The the performances are great. I, I laughed out loud. There's some really wonderful riffs with Timon and Pumbaa yeah. and Billy Eichner is the MVP at this movie. Yes. Billy Eichner. Yeah. You have a movie with Beyonce in it, and Billy Eichner does more singing than Beyonce in this movie. <laughs> he he carries more songs than Beyonce does in this movie, and does so with aplomb. I mean, he is. He's great. And there are many, many great performances. The vocal performances across the board are excellent. I, I think this movie is really well made. But I can't help but go, why? There is no, th there's nothing about this. All of the technical wizardry that you put on display in no way makes this better than, yep. than what, what we had. In fact... If this movie had come out first and the 2D animated one came out after, after I would go, they improved on it. <laughs> because what you do in this situation is you abstract the animals to give them more character and life. It makes more sense to watch an abstracted version of this than it does to watch a photoreal version. It is the better way to tell this story yes. is to do it with an abstraction. And in fact, I will go even a step further and say there are choices that are made in this movie that are only made because another movie did them first. You would never, ever create Timon and Pumbaa if you set out to make this movie and you were doing it photorealistic. You would never create a warthog that looks like Pumbaa. <laughs> but he looks in this movie. I think they did an amazing job of making a really ugly animal look kind of adorable and cute and having, you know, Seth Rogen voice him help too. But the only reason a warthog is this character is because you can abstract a warthog and make it look adorable and cute and have all this personality. Like everything, literally every decision in this movie is working backwards from another work. It mm -hmm. It's an extraordinary thing that it just has no reason to be. And it it is worse. It's excellent, but worse it, in every decision. Like it is, it's really a weird, weird thing that can be super enjoyable because the original is super enjoyable and the songs work and the story works and everything works. And how this movie shows that is still consistent and good and actually has a lot of uh, skill involved. And yet, it is the subpar version of a story of the same story. It, it is unnecessary in every way.
Well, folks, uh, is it okay if I spo- quote unquote spoil this movie? Like, can we can we get the spoilers? Because uh, yeah, I think you're past twenty years of spoilers <laughs> here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you should just assume we're going to spoil the the new Lion King. I, I will say every story beat is, ex- is like every major beat from the original is replicated here in some way. Um, and so like, don't worry about that. However, there are some differences. I want to start with some of the things that I think this movie actually improved on from the original, which uh, I know is, is, is not that long of a list, but I would say that one of the things that was improved, you guys have talked about how photorealistic it is. Um, there are some meaningful changes, very subtle changes, but still meaningful. Uh, so let me just throw out a few. One of them is that uh, there's this line at the beginning of The Lion King, the original one, where he says, like, everything the light touches. This is my James Earl Jones impression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything the light touches is yours, <laughs> Simba. You know, like, and uh, then, in, in, but in the movie, I think they felt like having that be delivered by a photorealistic character would make it sound too fascistic. So they say instead, like, uh, everything the light touches. And he's like, really? It belongs to me? And he's like, it belongs to no one. But we must protect it. Like he makes clear that it doesn't belong to them because I think the idea of these photorealistic animals bowing uh, just felt kind of weird to do in a. I mean, it was pretty this... weird in the original movie too. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where I... this. Who voted for him? Like I don't know where this <laughs> theocracy started. But yeah, it's it's, it's, weird. it's hereditary monarchy, Devendra, and I think that uh, yeah, you know, I, hopefully they'll find a way to move past it because as as a. As a species, we humans have decided that like having boy kings is not a good idea. So, and also, can you imagine a <laughs> can you imagine an actual monarchy where sometimes the king eats you? Yeah, I mean that would be that would be upsetting. Um, I feel like this happens. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I think is uh, better done in th- this movie is the times when uh, Simba is in danger. Uh, I actually felt the danger. Uh, was greatly heightened because of the photorealism. So, like, when the hyenas are chasing them through those, like, underground tunnels, I was actually like, this is pretty scary, you know, like, in a way that I never felt with the original film. Uh, Another thing that I thought was improved with this new one was that uh, the the explanation that Mufasa gives to Simba for, like, why they need to wait in that wildebeest canyon uh, actually makes it a lot more motivated. Like, it, it makes... Mm-hmm. Simba's actions make a lot more sense afterwards, right? That he, you know, he's like, practice your roar. And then it's the roar that got uh, Mufasa killed and not just like the roar was incidental to, like he would, Mufasa in the original says like, hey, I'm going to, like your dad has a surprise for you. It's to die for. Ha 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 ha. In the new one, the, the motivation is much better, I think. And then finally, uh, you guys have already pointed out Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner single-handedly saves this movie from being, almost devoid of ideas, in my opinion, um, and like it brings it to life when he re-enters this movie with Seth Rogen. Uh, but uh, last of all, there is this, uh, like some of the characters are better defined. Mufasa's, uh, not Mufasa, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Mufasa's wife, uh, Sarabi, I think is her name in the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. actually has like a, a, a more complex backstory with Scar. Um, there is like a head hyena 
um, who like kind of squares off with Nala towards the end of the movie. So like, I mean, that that was basically Whoopi Goldberg's character, right? Yeah, kind of. But like, she was kind of the, the head of the hyenas in this movie, and they yeah. kind of set her up to be a big bad. And you know, it's it's just like a little bit of a, a little bit of a nod to it. It's not like the most revolutionary storytelling technique or anything like that. But I did feel like, hey, these are like meaningful, somewhat meaningful sure, ways sure. that like the the original was improved upon. Uh, okay, here's what was made worse. Literally everything else. And the thing that I, I can't stand, I mean, you have already talked about, Devendra, how th- these characters don't have expressions. And that is a real problem when they need to be really express. They need to convey convey the full range of human emotion in this movie. And they, they could have done it in a way that they had expressions. Like, um, just look at the new Sonic trailer. You know, that is a way you can do an animal that has human expressions. It's horrifying, but it's possible. And it would have served the story well, I think. Um, but instead, they chose to make them like pretty expressionless, whether they're like threatening you or whether they're crying or whether they're sad. Like, they all have this kind of same blank stare that cats always do. And can I, can uh, I just real quick, Dave, say that I judge my Lion King movies on one criteria and one criteria alone. And what is that? The quality of the uh, CFM eyes. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Please never use that expression again on this podcast. Um, well, they they are in full effect in the in the in the first version, man. Even younger me knew what I was seeing mm, uh, mm. with with uh, with those eyes, and they try to do that shot again. It just I did it, not feel it. It does not, not work it. in this movie. But <laughs> yeah. but here's here's the thing. Here's the thing, folks. I mean, I can forgive the fact that they made this movie. I can forgive that. Hey, we're gonna try. We're gonna try something really cutting edge technologically. We're going to try something that's never been attempted before, which is like uh, telling this story using photorealistic technology and making it look as real as possible. And the only reason we're going to do it is just because we got to make some more, we got to feed the beast of the the Disney cash machine. I I can learn to accept all that. Like, I, I can be okay with that. The thing that I am just finding it so difficult to forgive is how these new Disney remakes just completely murder. These songs. I mean, the the new performances of the music yeah. is is unforgivably bad. It, it is just like it, th- there are c- actors in this movie who cannot sing, and uh, I don't know why they were cast other than that they were big names or maybe they were right for the other part. The one thing that this movie should have copied from the original Lion King that it did not was having a different singer do the songs than the actor. I don't know why they didn't do that. <laughs> Um, neither Simba in the original Lion King sings, like neither of the actors who play Simba sings the song that Simba sings in the original Lion King. There's a different sing, like different performer doing the songs. I don't know why they didn't do that because some of the people in this cast cannot sing and the songs are just murdered. They're just murdered. And I mean, I mean like <laughs> Be Prepared is like one of the best villain songs ever written. Yeah. And it's a, well, it's honestly not even a song here. It's like a speech. It's like a very rousing political rally speech, basically. It's not, it's barely a song. Uh, I mean, you go from a deliciously performed song by uh, Jeremy Irons in the original line. The King, King, the King with, of Gravelly Growling Voices. Yeah. And, and also has a long, illustrious career on stage doing musicals mm-hmm. with Riefenstahl esque imagery going on with like the goose stepping hyenas and like how imaginative and terrifying that is to whatever the heck it is you want to call we got in this movie 
And I, I'm just like, my heart breaks. I'm not like I'm I'm only mildly <laughs> exaggerating because the Lion King, the, that original score that Hans Zimmer and all the Elton John, all that stuff, I like wore that CD out, you know, listening to that yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went That's one of my first CDs, yeah. It is, I think to this day, the best selling uh animated movie soundtrack of all time. Mm-hmm. Um ten times platinum that, that album went. And uh I, I have such a special place in my heart for these songs. And to see what was done to them in this movie is just well, nobody absolutely think of the songs. Think of the songs. <laughs> think of the artists. I will say, by the way, uh, when it comes to be prepared, I do think like if they wanted that to actually be a song, it did sound like Chuotology for could have done it. Like you, yes. you could feel like he's he yes. he even as he's reciting the lines, he's like, guys, should I I should be singing this, right? Like I, I want to sing <laughs> no, this. Keep talking. Keep no, talking. keep talking. Keep just keep talking. Yeah. This keep is, ta- uh, keep talking singing it. That's the yeah, way got, of modern Disney films. I don't know. Uh, his voice, by the way, is great. The design of Scar, I don't, what? Yeah, is I just, it, it, he's an undernourished lion, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that's all he is. Yeah, he he went up against Mufasa once a long time ago. That's that's another change, by the way, in this movie, right? Yeah. Is that he, like, tried to best Mufasa and, like, uh, came out wanting. Uh, really makes you question what this whole system of monarchy is, because... <laughs> Why would you keep someone around who you know wants you dead? You know what I mean? Like, well, also, you know. all of the violence in this movie, all the fighting is so much harsher seeing yep. actual animals do yep. it. Mm-hmm. What looks like real nature footage. It's of very realistic. Fighting. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a weird thing because I feel like that is where their idea to do a very realistic, like you're watching a David Attenborough documentary or something like it does look real at but sometimes that doesn't really work for the drama. Like, I wonder if they really, if they just got like David Attenborough to like recite the story of the Lion King over footage of real lions, would it work? <laughs> I don't know. That would uh, be better. Uh, uh, I, I want to get back to that point of injury. I think that's a good point. But first, a, a few more differences between the uh, original and this one. Uh, one of them is there's like a scene where Nala escapes, right? In this one that's not in the original. Of course, they took out all the Rafiki and Simba stuff from the, or much of Rafiki and Simba stuff from the original. Uh, and there's a scene where Nala escapes, which is kind of interesting because like it gives Nala more of a character, more purpose, but uh, it undercuts the moment later when Nala shows up because it's no longer a surprise, right? Like in the original, it was a surprise when Nala showed up. And in this one, you see her escape and theoretically try to find help. And so uh, it's a trade-off, right? And I think that's interesting from a storytelling mm-hmm. perspective. Can you feel the love tonight? Takes place entirely during the day. And I do not understand why that is the case. Oh, man. <laughs> like, I, I, I heard how this. Long, how long have they been working on that, too? Like, think of, like, all the people working on that scene, like, the amount of time it took to animate months, it and put it together. Months. And nobody, to, to no, make... nobody, nobody just listened to the lyrics? Or, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't okay, know a few that. thoughts. A few thoughts went through my head, Devendra. Like, one, I was thinking, oh, well, maybe they just don't have the technology to do the, the lines at night <laughs> and make it look really good. But yeah, that's not true at all. There are they, multiple yeah, scenes that take yeah. place at night that are beautiful. They're right? amazing, so like, actually. The there are some moonlit scenes that are just stunning. Yeah. So it's like, what the f, guys? Like, what? Why? Why did that happen? Um, and then I was thinking, like, okay, well, maybe part of it will happen at night. But no, the entire <laughs> song takes place in the day, from beginning it, to end. It goes to like slightly later in the day, I think. It's the metaphorical night. That's actually yeah. one of the aspects where this movie suffers is in the original, they at least like kind of spend a day together before they start falling in love. In this one, it happens instantaneously. Like they, Nala gets back and then, oh, they're falling in love again, which makes it even more unrealistic, I think. 
um, in this movie with talking lines. So uh, those those are a few of the big changes, but we haven't talked about the biggest change in the movie, uh-huh. right? Which is that in the original movie, after uh, Simba has found his new buddies, uh, there's a scene where like his hair, like a tuft of his hair, flies into the wind, and Rafiki finds it, realizes he's alive. Yeah. In this movie, that scene is replicated, except. His hair goes on a big adventure. Yeah, it is yeah. goes into a it's river. It's the feather from uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's, a, it's a baby's day out of this feather. It's, it's <laughs> a baby's day out of of Simba tufts of hair, and uh, it is swallowed by a draft and pooped out before <laughs> it is then carried by ants up to Rafiki's tree. I believe there's uh, a dung beetle that rolls it beetle. for a while. Yeah, dung yeah. beetle. There, there, there's a cut. There's a hard cut from when <laughs> the giraffe eats it, and we don't see the results of that. Yeah. And then the dung beetle is rolling it. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I want photorealism here. I thought this was going to be a, an accurate nature movie. I need to see the giraffe poop it. I need to see <laughs> that whole action happen. <laughs> what a series of bizarre decisions. But, you know, Devendra, you do bring me to my last point about this movie, which is that... Uh, I actually think it would have been what would have been an interesting exercise is to tell the, a story like this, but that is not a remake of The Lion King. Like, imagine mm-hmm. if they had told a story that was completely different from The Lion King, but that was better served by the photorealism that they had in this movie. Like, I don't think that exists. I think you see those like A Dog's Way Home and all those movies that where they train real dogs and they shoot them, and there's a place for that, but. None of those dogs sing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, it would it would have been it would have been not that. I'm saying like no no musical, don't use the original script, like it's a completely different story. Then you're what you're getting is yeah, a dog's way home or whatever those movies are. Or they're, they're just planning like the way the way they like give you the drama of a tribe or something or of yeah. like of a lion clan. Like, oh, th- this one totally pissed off the head lion. What's going to happen next? I'm uh, saying uh, what like I guess that. what I'm saying is if you had showed me a planet Earth but it was like yeah. 100% CG, I'd be like, "Wow, that's impressive." Right? Like yeah. as opposed to this, I'm like this is a shell of its it is a shadow of its former self it will never live up to its origins like it will never like no yeah. one will ever reach for this movie instead well i guess people might but like I, i'm never yeah, gonna the, reach the for kids this movie growing up on it like this this movie will imprint on this generation of kids and they will love it and they'll keep buying it for forever like this is the disney franchise machine in action right with every new generation we're gonna get a new version of these movies like uh, i joked on twitter I wouldn't be surprised if in 20 years Disney's just like, oh, well, I guess we got to remake these movies again. Uh, except they'll like they'll use like the power of the future cloud or something just to like generate a micro universe, like generate a whole universe and just like populate it with characters and you know film it, film it like that, and that'll that'll totally be photorealistic. No, they'll just I'm do sure it. We could- too- 2D animated version of the of the 3D photorealistic <laughs> movie you remember from your childhood. Um, I want to say two things. First of all, I said a little bit, but I think you guys would agree. This movie, for all its faults, is light years ahead of the Aladdin live action that we just watched this summer. I haven't seen that. I actually disagree only because I think the music is much worse than – like the Aladdin music was already bad and this is unforgivable in my opinion. I think this movie is actually good. I think it's good. It's just – purposeless it doesn't it doesn't serve a purpose because there's already a good movie of this that exists that is timeless and doesn't anyway the the purpose is they got to make another billion dollars like that's that's all it is working on it yeah Yeah. i got that covered uh the the second thing i want to say is i i think 
the whole problem with this, this all got carried away because of costuming. Guys, I think the culprit here at the central heart of this problem we're talking about <laughs> is costuming. What happened was there is this thing with some of these animated fairy tale movies where, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be amazing to see that princess and that prince in in real life? Because the costumes, how would they look? A real human being wearing those things? Oh, that would be a cool thing to see. I would love to see Snow White or Cinderella in real life. A kids dress up at Disneyland all the time and those those dresses and those things. And that's we should do a live action version because you've always imagined what the princess would really look like in that costume. And then they did that and it made a butt ton of money. And they went, well, we got to do all of these live action. And it, it ceased being about costumes anymore. And it just was like, let's do the real life version of all these movies. But I think the, the heart of it was like, yeah, it would be the fantasy is to watch it come to life because how great is it to watch these fairy tale costumes come to life? Mm-hmm. And now we're in a situation where there ain't no costumes anymore. Right. It's just an animal. It's just an animal. Watch it fight another animal and sing. It's, it's just, it's, are you it's, not entertained? Are you not yes. entertained? I think it is interesting, Divinger, to reflect on like what the Disney of 10 to 20 to 30 years is going to do now because yeah. all they're doing now is remaking their old stuff. So are they going to, they're not making new stories. Are they going to remake? Pixar is. Yeah, Pixar is making new stories next year, right? But, but like, it's time to remake Pixar, right? Like Toy Story 1, uh, I can't watch that movie anymore, guys. I, I need a remaster Toy Story 1. In all honesty, like I would not mind seeing that. So we're going to see that for sure. But uh, like, if they don't have original films, what are they going to be remaking? Uh, mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see how it comes out. Uh, the, Disney Studios is doing Frozen and Tangled, and those movies are. I mean, they're a little old now, but I think that's those are new ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you said <laughs> like didn't Tangled come out quite a long time ago? Um, yeah, but Fro- Frozen was a big. Fro- yeah, hit. Frozen's a legit original success. Like. Uh, but it, it's easy There's to forget, be, like, yeah. seven years ago, uh, there, this this article on BuzzFeed talked about it, like, uh, about um, Disney ruling over Hollywood now. Seven years ago, Disney was at the bottom of a five-year box office slump. Like, we, we think about, like, Disney as, like, being unstoppable force. But seven years ago, let me let me list some movies that Disney came out with seven years ago, okay? Race to Witch Mountain, Surrogates. Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, Tron Legacy, I Am Number Four, Mars Needs Moms, Fright Night, Real Steel, and John Carter. The vast majority of those movies bombed, right? You could could argue that A Sorcerer's Apprentice is the first attempt at this this thing we're seeing. Yeah, Yeah. so somehow they figured out like which one, which combination of things to to get right, but it it is an open question of what the Disney in 20, 30 years will look like uh, compared to today. Uh, And if there's one thing that Hollywood has taught us, it's that no rain lasts forever. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but they are uh, riding high right now, and they should enjoy the success. So no rain lasts forever unless you just buy everyone that does well. Indeed, and then there will be no other rains than your rain because you own everyone. All right, uh, I think that's going to take us to the end of our review of The Lion King. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hellinger. Until next week, we're going to tell you what we, we're going to be reviewing next week uh, uh, in, a, in a little bit. But 
Until then, Devendra Hardware, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter and at Devendra. I write about techandgadget.com, and I'm doing that tech show at nomoretech.net. Let's know with a K. How about you, Jeff Kanata? You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. And hey, do you like epic storytelling? I'm telling an epic story right now with an amazing cast, an animatronic puppet, and a whole lot of really other cool things. If you're into epic storytelling, check out The Dungeon Run, which is my long-form live play Dungeons & Dragons show where I'm the DM. Uh, You can find it on YouTube, The Dungeon Run, or as an audio podcast, wherever you get podcasts. Or you can watch live Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. I also do a video game podcast called DLC, which you can find at 5x5.tv slash DLC. And check out the first few episodes of my show, Culturally Relevant, at culturallyrelevantshow.com. You can also uh, find it wherever your fine podcasts are downloaded. Next week, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the movie we're going to be reviewing. It's like the last really original film that's going to come out this summer. Um, the last film that I think has a real shot at being legitimately good, potentially even winning awards later this year. Uh, so I am really psyched for it. After that, it's like Hobbs and Shaw. And then that's pretty much it in terms of like mm. movies I'm looking forward to, movies I'm excited about. Um, there's that Scary Stories uh, live action version. There's Where'd You Go, Bernadette. But like other than uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and, and Hobbs and Shaw, like that's that's pretty much it for the summer. It has been a rough one, folks. Been a yes. I see Angel Has Fallen is written on our potential list, and that's, that's how far we've fallen. <laughs> that Angel Has Fallen is on yes. our list. This summer is actually called Slash Filmcast Has Fallen. Um, <laughs> so, thanks for listening. See you next week. He watched the 